Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're talking about the 1982 film The Dark Crystal, directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good morning, Adam. Morning. And good morning to all our little podlings <laughs> who hopefully won't have their life essence drained by this episode. Uh. <laughs> well, that's a promising start, Ren. <laughs> yeah, I like to start things off on an optimistic front. Well, I think we're both a bit bunged up with cold and... If you can tell, I have a slight speech impediment um, because I'm currently talking through just one of my two front teeth. Um, my false front tooth yeah. coming out. Uh, it, I woke up and it was sticking out at a jaunty angle and I spat it out into my hand. And In true children's horror fashion. It now it, It's on the top of my bookcase and it looks like a mouldy old fossil. <laughs> which appropriately looks like it could fit right into the Maison Seine of the Dark Crystal. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I should try to turn it into a little puppet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is our topic today, The Dark Crystal from 1982, um, directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Uh, sharing um, sharing puppetry wrangling responsibilities between them yeah um which is exciting and uh the main draw of the film really um <laughs> the puppets it's a very impressive puppetry oh yeah absolutely and looking at the credits uh the puppeteers are credited uh nicely before the voice actors which uh, oh, yeah, is I unusual noticed that, yeah, yeah. Um, did you see as well that um, there was a special um, a special thank you at the end to Alan Garner oh I didn't yeah no I was watching this with Alex and they pointed it out but um, apparently he was um, Jim Henson approached Alan Garner uh, to do the script initially um, but Alan Garner was too busy Um, so we really can justify this one as a a real children's horror then if you've got Alan Gardner on board as well. We've got the stamp of uh, the stamp of Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean concept art by Brian Froud as well, so So who is Brian Froud? I recognise the name. Well he did um he did all these fairy books like um Oh are they the fairy like, books with the really kind of gristly covers? 
<laughs> probably they they like sort of catalogue all the little fairies and creatures and gnomes and brownies and such um yeah and they're all quite leathery and sort of <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's quite some quite gnarly little little things um I mean, I really don't know how we're going to do Texture of the Week this week because it's all Textures of the Week. I, I know, I know. It is one giant Texture of the Week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so is this the first time you watched it? Um, this is the second time ah. I saw it for the first time a year or so ago. Okay, who with? Uh, with Mackie. Um, she was showing me... She was. I don't know, showing me a few um, 80s dark fantasy <laughs> films. So we watched this and we watched Willow. Oh, cool. Um, um, yeah. And what about Alex? Had Alex seen it before? No, no, they, they had a DVD um, of it that um, <laughs> they'd had uh, for over a decade. <laughs> and like last night I said, oh, I'm watching The Dark Crystal. And they were like, oh, right, this is my chance. <laughs> 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 um, so. What did they find it worth the wait? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think they they enjoyed all the textures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I was mostly in it for the textures. I mean, had you? S- oh, had seen I seen it before? it before? No, I hadn't. I as a kid, I always sort of thought it was. I vaguely thought it was too old for me. Uh-huh. Like I always had the sense that, you know, the vague sense that Labyrinth was for kids and that this was for older people. Okay. Uh, I don't know why. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I loved the Muppet movies as a kid, or at least Muppet's Christmas Carol and Treasure Island. Um, Mm. And obviously very much grew up with Sesame Street, but no, I never never watched The Dark Crystal. Um, I watched Fern Gully. I think Fern Gully... um, the Last Rainforest was my Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my kind of hippie-ish dark fantasy film as a kid. <laughs> oh. I mean, really, we're just kind of being contrary by not doing Labyrinth. Um, <laughs> I mean, we will do Labyrinth. That makes it sound like yeah. we've got some kind of not doing Labyrinth policy. No, we, 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 Labyrinth will happen, but... Um... We're doing Dark Crystal first. Well, obviously, if we do Labyrinth, we need to play the video game as well, so... Oh. Yeah. Uh, LucasArts, uh, or Lucasfilm's first video game adaptation. Uh, All right, even before okay. the Indiana Jones games was a Labyrinth adaptation. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, I'll... <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll say that the plot, such as it is. Yeah, um, plot wise, um, <laughs> if you've seen the um, children's look and read classic from 1989, Through the Dragon's Eye, um, it's basically the same. Yeah. It's in Dragon, you know? No, no. North or south, east or west, the quest uh, through the dragon's <laughs> eye. <laughs> Oh, I'm impressed you can still sing through a single front tooth. Well, you know, I make do. 
<laughs> Maybe it'll help me whistle. Uh, <laughs> like that bit um, in Arrested Development where Job loses his front teeth. <laughs> um, so, um, so we have two sort of species called um, the Skeksis and the Mystics. Um, and the uh, Skeksis are sort of cruel and vulture-like and cackling and the mystics are kind of like mm, big slow bear things um there's uh there's only 10 left of each and both of their leaders are dying which isn't a Uh, coincidence no Mm. um our main character jen is a gelfling a little elf creature and believes that he's the last surviving gelfling and he's sent by his dying master on a quest um, to heal the crystal, which has been um, split for a thousand years. Um, and if he doesn't do it in time, then the Skeksis will rule forever. Um, well, well, you know, I mean, they probably managed to kill each off each other off pretty quickly I mean they seem like squabbling and um, hitting big stones with axes and such so yes yeah it's perhaps doubtful that they'd last uh, tremendously much longer Um, I mean they're looking pretty manky already (laughs) (laughs) they're amazing they're like just sort of vulture-like, really scaly, kind of cobwebby, sinewy. It looks like they've made out of like scrotty giblets and bits of gizzard or something, like leathery gizzards, and <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of, but they've also kind of looked like they've been like glitter glued together, <laughs> <laughs> like they're both. Like made of like rubbish and then just like sprayed with glitter. Yeah. Yeah, which is sort of the ultimate eighties aesthetic, really. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain uh, continuity with the the wheelers. I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. They look really kind of ragtag, but kind of fabulous at the same time somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um. um so uh Jen sets off um I mean all he really knows is that he has to get the the shard of the crystal at first um, yeah, I mean he doesn't even know what this shard looks like um it, interestingly, yeah. there's a bit where like a whole bunch of shards spread out before him, and he's like, how am I meant to tell? I don't know, and then he he sort of plays a tune on his little flute ocarina mm. and the correct crystal glows so that's how he knows yeah um and but sort of once he he gets the shard of crystal he he really doesn't have much of a clue what to do at all <laughs> <laughs> as alex pointed out he he really um <laughs> it was all uh Get crystal? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Profit? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels um, a bit like playing one of the old sort of text-only games, really. You know, mm. thrust into fantasy world. Uh, you know, you've got a few verb-noun combinations at your disposal and uh, just sort of see where you go, really. Yeah. Um, although along the way, he does find another Gelfling um, who has also escaped... Um, from the uh, the Skeksis uh, Gelfling purge, um, because uh, there's a prophecy that um, a Gelfling would be the one to bring down the Skeksis. Um, they tried to kill all of them, but Jen and Kira have escaped. Jen by being protected by the Mystics, and Kira being protected by the Podlings. And when they meet, there's this remarkable mind meld sequence in which yeah. they kind of share their memories. And so we get kind of two flashbacks almost superimposed onto one another. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, like I've never seen that done in quite a way in a film before. <laughs> yeah, because they're both, both their memories happening at once and all these sort of <laughs> time-consuming sequences to animate <laughs> um, of, of their of their childhoods, um, but just overlaid over each other. So you get a lot of kind of density of information, but only very suggestively, almost or impressionistically. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, eventually, um, Jen and Kira realise that, um, that they have to take the shard to the Dark Crystal and reincorporate it, um, to make the crystal whole again. Uh, so, the rest of the film is them finding their way to the Skeksis Castle and trying to reincorporate the crystal. Yeah, and on the way occasionally having to kind of fight off various beasties and kind of tumbling down ravines and crevices. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and then they get to the crystal and it's reincorporated. Yeah. <laughs> but but it turns out that the, the Skeksis and the Mystics were just two parts of the same whole and in yeah. true Jungian archetype fashion they, <laughs> they have to be reincorporated and reunified to make a full self yep and then they kind of transcend um, this corporeal plane and uh, so whis wisp off into the uh, into the sky and then I think Kira and Jen are possibly responsible for repopulating the planet um yeah they've got a lot of work to go on with <laughs> yeah. um it's like we leave the planet to you now gelflings <laughs> <laughs> get on with it <laughs> yeah yeah um so is it scary adam <sighs> not to me now, mm. 
as a child it definitely definitely would have been yeah um although really there's not that much to be scared of um it's mostly just that the the sketches sorry sketches <laughs> uh look so wretched yeah you know um but then i kind of feel like they're silly kind of gibbering squawking voices rather takes the edge off mm. because they could have such silly voices <laughs> Yeah, well, even sillier than mine. <laughs> apparently, in Alan Garner's original plan, they would have been speaking an entirely uh, created Skeksy language. Ah. Um, but, Which uh, I imagine wouldn't have been gobbledygook, and he would have actually no, no, yeah. <laughs> an actual <laughs> created language. Um, but uh, apparently, uh, test audiences found it a bit too bewildering to have long <laughs> long sequences of Skeksis conversing in a <laughs> but, um, so yeah they do have these quite quite silly squawking voices um, and uh, oh the prophecy <laughs> Gelfling Gelfling <laughs> um and then, of course, there's the um, the there's a, a one Skeksy who gets it, who loses the fight to become the next emperor at the beginning of the film and is cast out, um, and uh, tries to win back favor by bringing um, Jen and Kira to to the Skeksy court. But does a very good job. At, uh, sorry, a very bad job. Um, at appearing whatsoever trustable, which um, <laughs> isn't really isn't really his fault because they you know they're, they're made to look so damn evil and yeah. and sinister you know like even if he did we know he doesn't have good intentions but even if he did have good intentions I don't think there's very much he could do <laughs> being made of a pile of festering rubbish festering rubbish and glitter yeah um yeah and he he um has a trademark uh well he described it as a whimper in the film but i don't know is it that that's quite Um, an oliver postgatey noise (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, uh, which is definitely something that i a noise that i heard Mackie making now and oh, again cool. um, <laughs> before uh, before having seen the film. It's uh, it's quite an imitable noise. It's now a noise you can add to your own repertoire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another noise to make at Alex when you want things. Barbary <laughs> wine. So yeah, I'm just harvesting noises from all these um, things that we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the voices are—I mean, sometimes they're a little bit too loud and shrill, perhaps. Yeah, it's quite a noisy. F- well, it's odd because there's not like loads of sort of ambient noises or music. It's just that the voices. 
I mean, all the voice actors are really going for it. Mm -hmm. Um, My my sister really liked the opening narration. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so she she said it had a classic audio tape voice. Um, And she also thought it sounded weirdly like uh, David Attenborough narrating Blue Planet. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of exposition at the beginning. Um, yeah, we're introduced to uh, the these people, um, uh, the two, the two, uh, the Skeptics and the Mystics, um, much in the way of a kind of old creation myth or something. Mm. Like it's very much going for kind of a high fantasy vibe. Yes. Like at the beginning of a Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, as I said, through the dragon's eye. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I, we definitely... We should do through the dragon's eye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very educational. It, it teaches you words like Vitacore, which is the name of the uh, the crystal that powers the world and the dragon's eye. Um tells you how to spell it and everything it's great loads of useful educational words that i still use Mm. today (laughs) (laughs) but so there's definitely some scary moments though i think yeah what do you what do you think um um (laughs) well the most scary is very unsettling is when um when the skeksy emperor uh, dies at the beginning um his face just uh crumbles inwards into dust um <laughs> in a really quite visceral manner yeah i haven't written many notes but one of the notes i have got is emperor's head crumbles so um, in op- uh, as opposed to that the when the mystic dies um they just sort of twinkle away into nothingness because <laughs> we all know when yeah when good people die they they twinkle away into the ether whereas when bad <laughs> yeah. people die um they just crumble into dust mm-hmm. um and the skexies have um have uh creatures called gartham that um they used to do their bidding which are these big scuttling beetle creatures um i think there's definitely something quite unsettling about them when they they t- they seem to burst through walls <laughs> a lot trying to get to gem uh jen um <laughs> it's clawing their way through yeah and there are these sort of nice little sinuous horse bats later that they kill Sorry. Well, later the the um, Jen rides upon this kind of. I mean, to me, it reminded me of like a horse crossed with a bat, maybe. Oh yeah. Like, but with yeah, long, yeah. spindly legs. So, so a bit like Sir Salvador Dali's paintings of elephants. Oh yeah, that's what they look like. Yeah, yeah. and then um, the horrible beetles kill them. Hmm. Which was kind of sad. I, mean, I, I like those creatures. They're, they're probably my favourite creature in the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're very... Um, yeah. Very very spindly. Spindly limbed, but uh, big bodies. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, 
so there's there's a lot there's a lot of creatures and it's um it's dense and writhing with creatures sort of when anytime there's just a just sort of a background just a sort of pan over the the forest there's always these tiny little puppet creatures (laughs) just sort of wibbling and (laughs) sort of moving around um (laughs) which um is really it's really lovely and kind of really um make the um the world feel alive yeah yeah and it kind of feels like the end point of the henson project really because it's one of the things you get in the muppet movies is things coming to life that you don't necessarily automatically think are going to come to life like i always remember Mm. the vegetables that sing in uh, christmas Uh carol yeah but in, in this, it's like every rock and, uh, mm. you know, worm and... He's a moss and... There's a there's a quite good um, tentacled plant um, that sort of slithers around over the ground. Um, yeah. Actually, I think that tentacular plant might be part of my texture of the week, so should we... Should we do it now? Okay, yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Texture. Texture. Texture of the week. Texture of the week. Oh, what have you got there? I, I, I can't believe I hadn't thought of it before. It was just the speaker. Um, oh. But yeah, it, it's kind of nicely ridged, so it's uh, a bit like a a scraper instrument. Hmm. Yeah, it's very satisfying to do too. <laughs> um, so, what did you choose from this vast um, menagerie of textures? Vast menagerie of textures. Well, ours particularly—I don't know if this is the same tentacular, uh, scribbly thing you were thinking of, but um, mm. I've written "snotty tree in jungle." because right Mm. near the beginning of the jungle sequence there's this tree and it looks like its roots are made of snot almost yeah like it's just it's really gross but kind of gorgeous at the same time Mm. like it just looks really (laughs) kind of uh, wet and tenderly and gloopy Mm. Like it's sort of made of these wet strands. Yeah. But the whole, I mean, the whole kind of first pan across the jungle was incredible. Mm-hmm. In the sense of the kind of sentience of all vegetable matter, this sort of squamous, writhing, wet, living jungle. <laughs> yeah. Just amazing, yeah. <laughs> um. Um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> too overwhelmed. I've got, I've got texture choice paralysis. I, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, as we haven't mentioned Augra yet, um, who is quite wonderful. Um, she's the, uh, uh, the Miss person. Seer? <laughs> Sorry? A Seer, perhaps? Yeah, who um, Jen uh, goes to 
find, visit to find the, the shard of crystal. Um, she first appears by she has just one eye and she can take her eyeball out of her socket and uh, Jen just looks up to see this this uh, hand holding an eyeball <laughs> just like <laughs> um, and later she puts her eyeball on a shelf um, I quite enjoyed the eyeball Ooh, on the like shelf. my tooth on a shelf at the moment yeah exactly this is the theme of the episode is body parts on shelves <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm glad we've got a theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean... Oh, I should have got my tooth in as, like, a guest speaker. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Is this a bappy situation? Oh, it could be. <laughs> um. I'm toothy! <laughs> Okay, how about Toosie does the outro? Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Cool. That's fair. <laughs> um, um, uh, also, in a sort of horrifying <laughs> texture, I mean, we come, probably the, the most disturbing moment is um, the poor podlings who um, have been captured by the Skeksis and um, turned into their slaves, um, have their life essence drained for the emperor to drink. Mm. Um, means that they're sort of clockwork orange strapped down into a chair and made to, to look at the crystal and this, and this um, sucks the life out of them. But the, the, <laughs> the podling's face, sort of as, it, as, as the life is drained... <laughs> Um, from it is a uh, it was very effective and uh, really pretty uh, unhappy texture. <laughs> <laughs> How does it change? Does it sag or? Yeah, it just sort of it looks. I don't know it kind of looks bleached out and, and sort of doughy and I don't know and I don't know how much of that is reading into the um into the puppet I mean puppets tend to look quite doughy yeah maybe it's just it's not being um made to do any expressions or it just sort of looks oh slack lifeless yeah yeah Yeah. or is, is the puppet left alone upon the shelf actually uh Invested with more life than the uh, puppet made to dance at the end of a string or upon the hand of a puppeteer. Mm. 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 I, I think I quite possibly did pose that question in my PhD thesis. <laughs> <laughs> While stroking my beard. Mm. <laughs> um... Uh. Notable mention to a line from Augra where um, Jen's talking about his master and she says, Is your master here? And, and he says, No, no, he's dead. And she goes, Hmm, could be anywhere then. I <laughs> 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 quite enjoyed. Yeah, which also kind of fits the kind of universal animism of the film. Hmm. 
yeah, maybe he's um, he's a mulchy, a mulchy bit of moss. Yeah, yeah. Squirming on a tree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like generally, this film seemed to be very kind of pro Gaia. Hmm. Like, like it, it, it felt like the people making it should be wearing like those t-shirts with wolves on. Oh yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> 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 I, 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 I've written, um, the most prog rock of children's films. Um, but actually mm. I think it's the most symphonic metal of children's films. I think more specifically, right. um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can imagine, like, um, I don't know, Dream Theatre doing a concept album around this. Hmm. It, talking about the music, actually, so you stayed for the whole credits. Wasn't the, the, mm. the over-credits music was bizarre? Like, <laughs> it starts off like a sort of, you know, generic end of a fantasy film music. And then it suddenly mm. just freaks out occasionally and goes really manic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like out of nowhere. It was really strange. <laughs> it did do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard kind of not to just sort of revel in the textures because mm. it, it is an odd film, I think, in as much as. If you just describe a story, it sounds very generic and kind of boring. Mm. But then, if you are to evoke the world, it's incredibly rich. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. So, you know, I, I felt quite... I mean, it's kind of testimony to the fact that film doesn't have to be a narrative medium or, you know, storytelling. Yes, it's important to a lot of films, but it, it needn't be necessarily because I did really enjoy it, even mm. though the plot is pretty non-existent. Because I, I just like being in the world. I just liked, you know, seeing all those all those puppets. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was enjoyed watching it with Alex's. We were watching it and then texting each other, but it was just it just meant that we sort of like every time there was sort of something saw something interesting, we we're just like, Oh, look at that like, <laughs> interesting tentacle thing. Like yeah. just sort of enjoying um yeah. <laughs> enjoying the, the textures and the because yeah, it is yeah, it's it's gorgeous and uh, very slightly ramshackle 80s way yeah if if um, the Henson company want to make an MMORPG out of it that would be great <laughs> yeah kind of like oh, yeah. like the Neverhood open how, world yeah like how the Neverhood was like you know claymation game like this would be like a puppetry Muppets game so with mm. the same graphics as the film but an open world uh, online role playing game Oh yeah, let's spend some time. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have that much more to say about it, really. Um, no, um, I think I do either. I mean, I don't think it's quite 
the iconic film that Labyrinth is. Um, mm. Possibly, um, possibly because of the lack of a singular antagonist. Maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, Labyrinth mm. has Bowie. Mm. Um, and I think Labyrinth also it feels more episodic that we move on this journey between these different kind of recognisable iconic characters whereas I think The Dark Crystal mostly feels like much of a muchness there are some set pieces as he said there are some kind of scary moments mm. but yeah generally it's the world and the general character designs that stick in my mind, perhaps, rather than individual characters, per se. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm hmm Yeah. Maybe if it had been written by Alan Garner, it would uh, be a, a, a stone-cold classic. Yeah. Uh, um... <laughs> but I imagine there are certain kids, like certain sort of tie-dye wearing t-shirt kids in the late 80s, who must have adored this. Mm -hmm. I just feel like like it's a film that must be perfect for a certain kind of hippie kid. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I liked it, mm. and it's... I don't know, it's kind of cute in a weird way, even though it's also pretty gloopy and disgusting. <laughs> mm. It's not really children's horror, but it's a, a pretty specific example of uh, dark fantasy that um, I think is worth watching. Yeah, so if you're listening and host a dark fantasy podcast, uh, you should definitely be covering this one. <laughs> yep. So we three have a uh, a goodbye message from Toothy. Hmm. Oh, I'll just um do credits. Okay. Um, our intro music's by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music is by Joe Kelly. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. And you can find us on Twitter at at Still Scared Pod. Or email us at stillscaredpodcast at gmail.com. And please do, we reply to emails. I mean, I, I do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Glad you do. <laughs> uh, you make up for my deficits in that. <laughs> Don't worry, I, 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 can, I can put in a word from you. Yes. <laughs> Ren makes awkward non-committal noise. Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> right. everyone! Don't leave your teeth on the shelf! And don't <laughs> let your gums bleed! Bye-bye! <laughs> See you next time, speaker kids. Bye-bye. <laughs>